Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. And we're going to be in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. If you buy a sponge and never use it, it just usually gets hard. It just sits there, corrodes, it just gets hard. But if you put that same sponge in a bucket of water, let it sit there, it'll start seeping out a little bit, but if you pick it up and squeeze it, you'll get a lot of the water out of it. So it is with God's Word. You can let it sit there on your shelf and not use it. It won't corrode, but you will. But if you open up God's Word and spend time in it, it's like picking up that sponge and squeezing it. You get blessed by the water from the Word. You'll be transformed. You'll be cleansed. I'd like to start with a prayer before we get into the main text. I'm going to read this to you first. It's from Mark chapter 7, verses 32 to 35, and it says, Then they brought to Jesus one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Let's pray. Father, unless you open up our ears and open up my mouth, nothing good will come from today. Lord, you took all of us aside today from the multitude, and we ask that you touch our ears. I pray that you touch my tongue. And Lord, we just ask that we would be open to your word today, that we would not miss those things that you would have us receive at this time, today. So go before us, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit in your precious name, Jesus, and do your thing here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now that word Ephatha means be opened. And what happened, of course, in this instant with Jesus was the power of hearing, the ears of the deaf and the eyes of the blind were opened. Things were healed. Now, back in the days of Jesus, Aramaic was the common language. And Jesus and most of his apostles came from the Galilee region, and they had a Galilean dialect. So when they went to Jerusalem, it wasn't the same dialect as the people in Jerusalem had. And in Matthew 26, 73, it says, And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Before we get into the main message today, you think of all the things that are going on. Does our speech 
portray Jesus Christ or betray Jesus Christ? Where is it? Where are we? Two of the most widely spoken Semitic languages, which is Semitic languages in the Middle East area, are Arabic and Hebrew. Those are two of the most common ones. And as I just said, in the Gal Galilean region, Aramaic was what Jesus spoke. Okay, now if you look in the scriptures for today, Titus 2, verse 13, the title of the message today is Blessed Hope, Blessed Hope. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the sponge before us today. We're praying that God, through His Holy Spirit, will squeeze it to allow us to be blessed and watered by just that verse. But in studying Scripture, there are so many verses that you need to look up in your study to make sure that what you're looking at is truly saying what it says. Because if it's not, you're taking it out of context, and a lot of people do that, and it's not the meaning that God wanted it to have. So I'm going to take some different words in that verse 13. First one we're going to look at is just that word, look. Famous coach said one time, that you look, but you don't see. And people hear, but they don't listen. And that prayer that I open up with is something that I'm hoping that all of us today will have ears to hear and eyes to see exactly what Jesus Christ is trying to tell us from His Word today, and then let His Holy Spirit work in you, because you're all here in different areas of your life, in different places. Question, what do you look for? Just a general question, what do you look for? Do you look for a good day today? Do you look for health? Do you look for financial stability? Peace in your life, your individual life? Peace in the world? Do you look at outward appearances? Well, a lot of those things are good things in themselves. What does looking consist of? What does looking consist of? Well, it's an expectation. There's an eagerness, an anticipation. There's an awareness that at any moment something could happen. That verse, Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What does the fulfillment of that expectation bring? What does the fulfillment of that expectation of that verse 13 bring? What does that say to you? When you squeeze it, when you dwell on it, what does it say? What does it convey to you? What questions do you have? What do you think of? What's your first impulse when you read that? Well, it's going to be when we see Jesus for the first time face-to-face, -face. the very first time we're really going to see Him as He is. Our heavenly citizenship will be visible. It'll be something that we can see, we'll understand that we're citizens of heaven. 
The transformation of our earthly bodies to heavenly ones like Jesus will be a reality. We'll be given a crown of righteousness. We'll see what that crown of righteousness looks like. Things that we've read and studied will understand what they really mean. Eternal life will be realized. We'll understand what eternal life is. We'll be there. We'll be heirs of his kingdom. We'll understand what that means. His heirs. His inheritors. Our joy will be total. We'll be totally blown away. We'll be amazed at what's going on. The trials of this life will be over. No more trials and tribulations. And we'll find out that our past sufferings are nothing compared to this glorious experience that we're going through. Now, what does God look for? God looks at our hearts. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, it says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord had sought him a man after his own heart. And please understand that is a man, it's a woman, it's a teenage boy, it's a teenage girl, it's a young boy, and it's a young girl. Second thing God looks for is someone who will go and love others as Jesus did. And tell them the good news that this life is not everything, but there is a blessed hope that we have. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Is that one of your phrases? Lord, here I am today, send me. Send me wherever you want me to be. And number three, the other thing that God is looking for. Someone who will take the command of Jesus, obey it, and fulfill their destiny. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. It's looking for somebody who takes that command, obeys it, and fulfills their destiny. We all have the same destiny. But God has placed us in different places and different professions and different things that we do to fulfill that destiny. The destiny doesn't change. Our occupations are different, but the destiny is the same. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope. The word blessed or blessed means happy, beneficial. The noun hope, the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. A statement, to give up hope. Number two, a particular instance of this feeling. Example, the hope of winning. Third, 
grounds for this feeling in a particular instance. Example, there is little or no hope of his recovery. Number four, a person or thing in which expectations are centered. The medicine was her last hope. And last, fifth, something that is hoped for. Her forgiveness is my constant hope. So those are some examples of that word hope. Now the word blessed hope in this verse of scripture does not communicate uncertainty like those other five statements did. As in the hope that I hope something will occur. In our scripture, this is the glad assurance that something will take place. Not might, but will take place. Jesus, in Romans 5.5, 5, it says Jesus is our hope. And no one can take that hope away. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've realized that you're a sinner. You realize that Jesus Christ came down from heaven, his throne room, and died on a cross and shed his blood as payment for your sins and mine. You were given his Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit in you, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. One of the things besides the Holy Spirit that you were given that came with the Holy Spirit is this hope that we're talking about, this blessed hope. In Romans 8.24, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Oh man, I hope I get a bicycle. But when I get the bicycle, I don't hope for it anymore. I have it. It's there. I can ride it. I can look at it. I can marvel at it. I can get excited about it. But this hope that we're talking about is the blessed hope when we see Jesus face to face. That day is closer today than when we woke up. We're closer to the reality of seeing that achieved. But notice the last part of that verse of Romans 8, 24. It actually was 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Perseverance. I think we all know what perseverance is. It's hanging in there when things get tough. It's hanging in there when things aren't going. You're not having that good day. You don't have that good health. You're struggling with finances. Things that are going on that you don't expect, and you've got to hang in there. Well, one of the things that you have that the world doesn't have is the blessed hope. And our prayer is, as Pastor Joe was saying, we pray for those people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You and I might be thinking, boy, this world is falling apart. Well, I like to throw it at you in a different way. It's really falling together. 
It's not falling apart. It's falling together. It's coming together just as God knew it would. And He still loves the world. It's the same Jesus who came and died for that world. And people are going to be rescued from the grasp of Satan through the circumstances and the tribulation and the trials and the tragedies that are going on. What Satan means for evil and destruction, God means for good. He'll turn around because he's a miracle God. In John 14, 3, it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, Jesus said he would return. He said you're going to see him face to face. And if Jesus is a truthful God, that is going to happen. And if he is not a truthful God, we're wasting our time here. But God does not lie like man lies. We have a record book of God's truthfulness from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus, those are his own words in John 14, 3. We also have in Acts 1, 11, where the angel said it. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in a like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So you have the angels who also pointed to that time that Jesus is a God of his word. Looking for that blessed hope. What are you and I looking for? In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the shofar of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, therefore, because of all those things, comfort one another with these words. See, we can find comfort in the hope of what Jesus has promised. Now, that event, the blessed hope, has not taken place yet. And remember, prophecy is not something to scare us. It's something to prepare us. Prophecy is not to scare us, but to prepare us. Now, how quickly does this all take place? 
when we meet Jesus face to face. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last shofar, for the shofar will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Wow. I just blinked and I didn't lose sight of any one of you. How many times have you blinked this morning since you've woken up? And you didn't lose sight of what you were doing. Think about it. You drove here. You're here. You made it. So that blink wasn't long. You could have your eyes right back on that road. It was still there. Yet, a twinkling is quicker than a blink. And that fast is when these things are going to take place. Well, as a result of those things that we've already covered so far today, how then should you and I live? Well, number one, we should live godly in an ungodly world. We should be pure and separate, not stained by the world, but going against the grain of that stain. Number two, we should live each day in continual anticipation and expect Titus 2.13 at any second. Believe it's going to happen because you got God's word on it. Could happen while we're sitting here. Bang, it could happen just like that. That bang was too slow. That wasn't a twinkling. <laughs> Number three, having this hope transforms us and gives, and God receives the glory through us. Having this hope transforms us, and God receives the glory through us because we don't control it. It's out of our hands. It's a heart issue. It's a heart acceptance by you and I. It's a free will choice. Number four, there's joy and motivation through trials. There's joy and motivation through trials. That perseverance kicks in. You become a fighter. You become a warrior as a result of the obstacle, the struggle. Because greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. And greater is he that's in you in spite of your weaknesses or insecurities. Number five. This should cause us to think before we speak or act. It should cause us to think before we speak or act. This coming Wednesday, I'll be continuing in Joel chapter 2. And it mentions the day of the Lord. And in Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations. 
What is this day? Sounds like the day of the Lord should be a pretty cool thing. It is for the believers in Jesus Christ who will not be here anymore. But it's going to be a terrible day of judgment for the people that are left behind. What is this day? It's, it's seven years where God's wrath combines with Satan's fury and combines with man's evil sin nature running wild. Talk about an imperfect storm. God's wrath combining with Satan's fury plus man's evil sin nature gone wild. All happening at the same time. The Hebrew prophets referred to this day at least 21 times. In Jeremiah 37, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. In Daniel 12, verse 1, it's just called the time of trouble. In Zephaniah 1.15, it's called the day of wrath. In the New Testament, it's mentioned as the wrath of God, the day of the Lord, the wrath to come. The period is so terrible, this day of the Lord is so terrible, that the prophets in the Old Testament and John in the New Testament in the book of Revelation give more time and space to its, its explanation than is given to Jesus' glorious appearing. Think about that one. More time is spent explaining the day of the Lord than in the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, 21, For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. Now, please understand, none of this has happened yet. I believe with the world events that we're seeing, just the thing that took place over in Paris, that we're seeing the birth pangs getting more frequent. They're getting closer and closer together. Next Sunday, Pastor Joe will be covering a great part of the Scripture that will talk about the 70th week of Daniel. Now understand, this day of the Lord is going to take the horror of every war that's ever been. You can add every natural disaster to it. You can throw in the unspeakable cruelty and hatred of people towards other people. You can squeeze into it seven years, altogether this in seven years, and it still doesn't compare to what is going to take place on this planet. Why is this great and terrible day going to happen? Why? Well, number one, it's going to bring the time from Adam up into the second coming to a close where the human race has had time to worship God voluntarily. All of history has been a free will choice of men, women, boys, and girls to choose Jesus Christ, ignore Jesus Christ, or reject Jesus Christ. Number two, another reason this great and terrible day is going to happen, it's to fulfill the prophecies in Scripture. Some of them, Isaiah or Ezekiel 36 and 37, we saw the fulfillment of that in 1948 where Israel became a nation again. Is Ezekiel 38 right now 
being fulfilled? Is it playing out as Russia is on the border of Israel right now as they are in Syria? Is that what we're seeing, Ezekiel 38? Are we going to see Ezekiel 39, the destruction of that northern army of Russia on the mountains of Israel? Is that something that we're going to see? Because they're right across the border right now from Israel. Remember, the temple still has to be built. Over 10 years ago, they have all the articles. They have all the clothing. They're ready to go. They just have to build the structure. Sacrifices are going to return to the temple in Israel. Now, contrary to Christian churches and the Catholic Church, God is not through with Israel. God's not through. God has promised that he will return and work with the people in Israel once again. You and I are not the replacement of the nation of Israel. And understand, that's being taught even in Christian churches. Read the Scriptures. If God is not faithful to the promises He said to Israel, how can you hold on to the promises He's made to you? Number three reason for this day is to shake man to awaken him. Shake him to wake him. Stability makes you and I an easier way to live independently from God. Think about that. When everything's going well, a lot of times we don't even give God the time of day. Hopefully we're in that age of maturity where whether things are going good or bad, God is our God. He's the Lord of lords and King of kings. Even though He slay me, I will worship Him. Doesn't matter. We're content in all things. We have that joy of the Lord in our heart because there's more to it. There's more coming. The fourth reason the day of the Lord is coming because it will make the divide very clear who is serving Jesus Christ or who is serving the Antichrist. Most people will not live out their lifespan if they choose Jesus during the day of the Lord, during the seven years of tribulation. Most people that choose Christ will not live it out. In Revelation 7, verse 3, it says, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. In Revelation 13, 16, it says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one that has the mark or the name of the beast or the name of his name. Revelation 13, 18 says, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six. Six, six. Now notice in Revelation 7, 3, it talks about 
Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. You see, the people that are left behind, that choose Christ as a result of not choosing him while they were here before that blessed hope, have that choice now, but most of them will be martyred and killed for their belief in Jesus Christ. We're seeing a shadow of that happening in the persecuted church now. We're seeing people killed for their faith and their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. One day, people who were left behind because they didn't receive the Lord while they had the opportunity here will understand everything when they're here after all the believers have been taken out. And they'll be, to the very core of their heart, they'll be shaken, realizing they missed that opportunity with all the opportunities they had in their lifetime to make a profession of faith in the one true God and to deny their flesh, pick up their cross, and follow Jesus. So for those people that are left behind, they're going to have that decision knowing the Scriptures. They're going to know what it means to receive Jesus in their heart. But out of rebellion and out of turning their back and just wanting to be part of the ways of the world that are fading away and are temporary, they're going to realize that they made the wrong choice, but God in His mercy and grace gives them another choice. He gives them that opportunity to come back. But now, it'll be a time of tribulation and sacrifice that they didn't have to go through if they only opened the hearts of their door or the door of their hearts here while they had that chance. All this day of the Lord, was it meant for the church? No. That's our blessed hope. In Titus 2.13, as we see, it says, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We sang some great songs today. Pastor Paul said it was so awesome to have you lead worship today. Today, you led worship. We could tell that. You could feel it. The Spirit was present. That was awesome. That was tremendous. May it be like that every day, every time we join together in song to our God. Great words today in the songs. We worshiped our God, our great God. We worshiped our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation 3.10, it says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Your test today is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you abiding in Him? Probably not all of you in a size of this congregation. 
Some of you here are out of obligation. Some of you are here out of tradition. Some of you are here because you love Jesus Christ and you just want as much from that sponge as you can get out of his word. Some of you are here because somebody invited you. Maybe there's some people here that just drove by and saw the church and there was nothing for, else for you to do and you said, let me just stop in. Nobody will know me here. I'll sit towards the back and we'll just, I'll just listen before I catch the one o'clock football game or something. <laughs> Notice in that verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere. Perseverance. We've heard that a couple times. Doesn't mean the road is easy, but we have a blessed hope. We have God's assurance that this is all temporary, no matter what we're going through. Now, in this next clip, we're going to show you a minute clip. Now, what I'd like you to do is this. Allow God to be God. Just allow Him to be God. You're here today. That famous old song, Come Just As You Are. Just let God minister to you as you listen to this clip. And then I'll come up and we'll wrap it up. Okay? By the way, that wasn't me. <laughs> the shofar. A lot of times in the Bible where you hear the word trumpet, in our translation, it's the shofar. And it's a trumpet made from ram, a ram's horn. Now, it was used for all different reasons. It wasn't just one thing. And that's why I said when you listen to this, just allow God to minister to you with what you were thinking or feeling as that horn was being blown. One of the things the shofar was used for was, was to gather people for worship. It was used to gather people for worship. It was used to usher in the presence of the Lord. It was used to make a proclamation. It was used to symbolize freedom and liberty. It was used as a call for battle and for war. It was used for the coronation of a king. It was used to induce fear and confusion in the enemy. It was to announce weekly Sabbaths and festivals. In Zechariah 9, verse 14, God himself blows it. It says, And the Lord will be seen over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will blow the shofar, 
and go with whirlwinds from the south. God has also given commands to his angels in Matthew 24, 31. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a shofar, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth to the other. Another use, priestly instruments of praise and worship in 2 Chronicles talks about the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priest with shofars. Psalm 150, verse 3 says, Praise him with the sound of the shofar. Praise him with the lute and the harp. In Isaiah 27, 13, it says, So shall it be in that day. The great shofar will be blown. They will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria and they who are outcasts in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. In Judges 7, 8, 300 men took the people's provisions and their shofars into their hands. And Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but he retained those 300 men. And the camp in Midian was below him in the valley. And then we see in Judges 7, 20, it says, when the three companies blew the shofars and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hand and the shofars in their right hand for blowing and cried a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And then we see in verse 22, and when they blew 300 shofars, the Lord sent the sword of one against another, even throughout the whole army, and the army fled. It brought confusion because they didn't know what it meant. But yet the people who were blowing it and on that side knew exactly what it meant. They weren't confused. It was very clear that this was something that they were doing in obedience to what the Lord had said. Last few scriptures as we wrap up. Joel 2.1 says, Blow a shofar in Zion and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near. The day of the Lord that we looked at for those not in Christ, a day of judgment and terrible destruction, it will shake them to the core. I think it's important that we know what the shofar sounds like. We need to understand that. You just heard what the shofar sounds like. So whenever you hear a shofar, just start your jump just a little as the Lord springs us up into the air. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, a shofar will announce the second coming of the Messiah. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the shofar of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. And if we're not deceased yet, and with the Lord, we'll be taken up right after the dead in Christ are raised. And we'll be flying up high. The friendly skies <laughs> will be united. <laughs> and finally, we just that emphasis of that 1 Corinthians 15:52, in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last shofar, that sound will come. And our dear loved ones who have gone on will be raised and perishable, and you and I will all change in that twinkling of an eye. 
things aren't falling apart. They're falling together. We have a blessed hope. That blessed hope is none other than Jesus Christ and Him uniting you and me with Him one day. We look forward to that day, but we need to be about our Father's business. And that is to put a love on the world that is hurting and hopeless. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.